0: A start on, on demand. demand
1: We get all kinds of feedback from listeners here at CJOB, whether it's on email or on text at 204-780-6868. But Greg got an email to Mackling at CJOB.com from the spouse of a nurse, a passionate email about how COVID-19 has changed everything for their family. And we will share this email with you because you need to hear it. The message has been stay at home and for many it's work from home if you can. But what if you work for a grocery store or a gas station or some other form of frontline job and in many cases those jobs are lower wage. You can't work from home. So what do you do? And it was a slippery start to the day with freezing drizzle. So we'll talk about our own misadventures from driving in slippery conditions. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, April 2nd podcast for The Start. Technical producer Jeff Fortier, do you recall the words you said to me when you walked in this morning?
2: It's terrible out there? It's deadly <laughs> it's out deadly there. It's deadly out
3: there. That's what I said.
1: Yeah, sorry to put you on the spot like that, buddy, but uh, I, Jeff Forte, as uh, Mackling and McNabb can attest, is perhaps the happiest, smiliest guy we know. But when, So when Fortier comes in with a sullen look on his face and says, it's deadly out there, you know, it's serious. You guys, Was- have, have, you, have you stepped outside today?
4: I, di- I did step outside just to see how slippery it was. The front step for sure is slippery. I wanted to know if Forte at least smiled while he said it was deadly out there. Right. Actually,
2: well, I, I was smiling in the parking lot because I was trying to get up the little the, <laughs> the little ramp that takes you up onto the sidewalk from the uh, from the parking lot, and the wind was literally pushed me back. I couldn't move <laughs> my feet. I thought I was gonna <laughs> land on my butt. It was uh, it, it was slippery like. I, I've never experienced that.
1: Yeah, so it, just uh, extreme caution today. It is slippery. I noticed it, and it was weird, too, because River Heights was just wet as I was driving from Osborne Village up Academy, and then as soon as I got over the bridge uh, and crossed the river, it suddenly was slippery. Like I actually I missed one of my turns because I had to just kind of keep going and go up to the next intersection because I just slid right through it. So uh, let us know if you're seeing something. 204 6868 what you're experiencing. I mean, I guess it's a good thing that um, Mackling that it's spring break. Tech. I mean, I know the school's out anyway, but if it, school wasn't out, it would be spring break and kids wouldn't have to worry about potential cancellations.
0: Yeah, so all sorts of benefits uh, with regard to what we're going to be dealing with weather-wise over the next couple of days and the fact that a lot of people are working from home Unfortunately, some people are not working at all, not of their own volition, and so many of us are staying put. So uh, there, there is a, there's a benefit to this happening uh, when it is. So uh, can we look for a silver lining? Is that okay right now?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, we need to find the silver lining. Uh, the silver lining, I suppose, too, is that as far as that snow goes, no, not seeing any snow here yet, uh, but if you are seeing it wherever you are, let us know. 204-780-6868. I just want to quickly mention yesterday, like we, we mentioned a couple of days ago, Chris Strebler, Winnipeg Blue Bomber hero, legend in a fur coat. He was doing set to do a QA and a live on the Bombers Instagram yesterday afternoon at noon. So I tuned in, uh, I think around 1230 and they were having some technical issues. So they diverted it to his own Instagram and... It took all all of I think 20 minutes for him to start chugging beers with fans and 5 hours later I went on Instagram and he was still there. <laughs> he was st- and his shirt was off at that point. Yeah.
4: He had he had cameos from his dad, cameos from his sister I think. Brett, uh every time you kept sending this audio, I stopped everything I was doing because I was dying laughing. It was kind of the uh Joy we might have needed in uh, what can be some tough times these days, Brett.
1: Well, here he is with uh, this is with his cousin uh, just after they they both tipped a bottle of vodka back.
4: Oh, is that a chaser or what is that?
1: Yeah, man, I've taken
5: probably at least 10 or 11 shots at this point. So here we are.
6: <laughs> Buddy, I've been, I've been on live. So so what what time is it there, man? What time is it?
1: It's 430, brother. Okay, I know you're so an hour three, behind
2: us, right? So it, yeah, so it's three thirty here. I've been on live since ten thirty. I've been on live for five hours.
7: What are you doing with your life, man?
0: You <laughs> got <laughs> some flack from Darren Cabron as well. I think the Bombers would have wished that things were routed through their own Instagram, based on know what happened. Yesterday, so they could have pulled the plug, but well, you because know, because it was on Strevi's personal uh, account, they couldn't do anything. Well, he kept saying
1: Darren's mad, Darren's mad, Darren the communications guy for the bombers. but Darren Cameron joined the the chat eventually, and he was he was enjoying himself too uh, he was oh, saying uh, yeah, he was saying that he he was having fun and uh, so but but Strevler continued to portray him as a villain after <laughs> Darren left the chat. And then he did some more shots. He even did a shot with his Nana. So we can play some of that a bit later on. Uh, That was great. At one point, she says, is he going to be able to even talk later?
4: Oh, you know, I, I really... We're always looking like, how many times do we share things in our day on just our group chat or you guys with your friends or your family and you're trying to find the funny stuff, right? Like you're trying to find the things that put a smile on your face because, man, the other things on your social media feed are not, right? I mean, there's so much stuff out there right now that's putting stress on everybody. So I say, Strevy, maybe you make this a regular thing. He
1: even, what do you think? He even said, I think I got a show here. I think I should do this. <laughs> <laughs> Every week, even the Bombers on their social media said, what should we call the, the Strebler family reality show? Uh, because they'd had cameos from his sister, from his Nana, from his dad. Many members of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers joined the party. Uh, so good for Strebler. I mean, his his... Actions on the field were heroic, and and you could argue that his antics on social media yesterday were heroic for many people. Because he kept pointing out, hey, we're all stuck in quarantine. We're just chugging beers with each other and having a good time. Uh, So good for Strebler. It was fun. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Start. Mackling, who are we talking to in our next segment?
0: Well, we we're going to bring them on here, Brett, but we got, to, we have something special. So we wanted to, f- we we're flipping the script. Chris Streveler terminology. We're calling an audible here. And in our next segment, we are going to celebrate one of the medical facilities in our community that's in the eye of the COVID-19 storm. What they're doing to help their residents, their clients adjust to a new reality, what they're doing in the community, how you might be able to help do that. And like I said, this sort of dovetails nicely, I think, into an incredible email we got last night from a listener by the name of Chris. And we wanted to share this with you again. We shared it at 6.15. It was so powerful. Your reaction to it was overwhelming. We wanted to share it with you again right at the top of the hour.
1: An open letter to all. I may speak for all those spouses and families of frontline staff. And if not, that's fine. I'll speak as a husband of a frontline healthcare worker, a nurse. Why am I writing this? Well, because a lot of you still don't get it. This week has been exceptionally difficult for me. Two nights of secret tears. The overwhelming thoughts of not being able to keep her safe. She wakes in the morning with a smile, and we are on our way out the door. She jumps out of the vehicle, says goodbye, and into a world we have no control over. She does her job with care and compassion, and forgets to eat, take a break, Some days she gets home after incredible hours and says, I haven't even had time to go to the bathroom today. We sat at the table last evening and I asked her not to go to work. Stay here where you can isolate and stay safe. Of course, that's not an option. Now this virus has started to hit the hospital staff. Our frontline workers are not immune. While the rest of you are asked to stay safe in your homes, she has to do the opposite. She hasn't hugged her children or her grandson in weeks. We haven't been together as a family since March 7th for her birthday. We stay away from each other. There is no touch. She has to change and clean after every shift before she can touch anything. This has a grip on our home, our life, and our marriage. We shared a hug in the kitchen yesterday for the first time in I I don't even know how long. And although it felt so good to be close again, I was afraid. Will this be the time something happens? Then she leaned in for a kiss, and overwhelming anxiety crept in. I knew I had washed my nose and mouth with alcohol, hand cleaner. Can you believe that? My nose and mouth with alcohol, hand cleaner. Then she said, don't worry, I just sanitized my face. My God, is this what we've come to? Disclaimers before a kiss? I hear, stay positive, focus on the good, but it's getting harder to see from this side. But still, we hear again today, people are not taking this seriously. Football teams practicing basketball games. What I want is a message or a phone call from one of those participating in the football or basketball. A parent of one of those participants. All I want is an explanation as to why you are more important than everyone else. Why you get to skirt the rules and not us I also wanted you to know that, God forbid, any of you get stricken with this virus, the nurses and doctors will not treat you with the same disregard for them and the rest of us you have shown. You will be treated with respect and dignity, and nothing will be spared to help you get better. That's their promise to you. And yet, I've heard some people say, well, hey, at least she makes good money. Well, what I've learned is that the house, the car, the camper... The etc, etc, etc. And the money mean nothing if she isn't here to enjoy it with me and our family. And I would give this life up in a second for her to be here and safe. Our doctors, our nurses, our paramedics, our firefighters, our police, our hospital support staff, all frontline workers, grocers, bank tellers, are moving forward into it when the rest get to pull back. To all the families behind these people, these heroes who dedicate their lives to help you in your hour of need. To you, the families, you are not alone. You and me, our children, our families, we are in this together during this frightful time. Warm regards from Chris.
0: Don't be part of the heedless minority Heed the Thank words of our leaders and, and and do your part, because there are those, Lorraine, in our community who are doing a part unmanageably large and overwhelming, far beyond um, what any of us should be expecting.
4: I can't imagine going any length of time beyond five minutes without being able to hug my kids and so to know that this is what uh, many of our frontline workers are going through to help protect their own families but also to help to protect you you know they don't want to be passing anything along and they don't want to be bringing anything home and the measures they're taking and the the true uh, risks that they're taking uh, if we can't have respect for that then as arthur schaefer basically put it we're lost so Thanks to Chris and thanks to his wife and thanks to all our frontline workers for always writing in and sharing how you're doing. We know you're anxious and and we really appreciate everything you're doing. And thank you so much.
1: Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, as we are dealing with a bit of a snowstorm outside, we shift our focus, Loren, to a different kind of storm.
4: Yeah, and as we navigate our way through this pandemic, there are ports in the storm that we need to focus on, and sometimes those ports are actually very much in the eye of the storm. The Misericordia Health Centre has undergone a massive shift in the services it provides over the past decade, including the closing of its urgent care as part of the province's reorganization of hospital services in the city of Winnipeg, Greg.
0: Yeah, and to get an idea of what's happening at Misericordia Health Centre and their role in the coronavirus crisis, we welcome Chris Gladwell. She's Executive Director of the Misericordia Health Centre Foundation. Good morning,
8: Chris. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Greg, and team.
0: Always great to speak with you. Please tell us about the resources, the services at MHC, which are at the heart of the COVID-19 situation.
8: Yeah, we really are. Um, Ms. Accordia has been rapidly responding to COVID-19. We have been impacted significantly, mostly due to HealthLinks InfoSante, which has had an unprecedented expansion going from 30 phone lines to now 500 phone lines. Hundreds of new employees have been hired and trained calls have gone from 350 a day was the average up to 24,000 and at Miss Accordia Health Centre we also care for over 200 older adults, 100 in long-term care, 100 in transitional care and as the COVID-19 pandemic is evolving uh, we're facing new challenges for our older adults and so patients and residents are one of our top priorities and the frontline medical professionals are ensuring that they're keeping them safe and providing compassionate care but what is just as important is preventing social isolation for these older adults.
1: Some incredibly heartwarming stories coming out of MHC, including our other guest, Susan Dwilo, who has been forced to radically change the way she visits her 101-year-old father, 101 years old, her father, David. Good morning, Susan.
3: Good morning. It's nice to be on the show.
1: Well, thank you very much for joining us. What are you doing to keep in touch with your dad and keep him safe?
3: Well, I've... um we get uh, phone calls three times a day back and forth, and uh, by coincidence today we're going to uh, have him set up with an iPad there to see if he'll uh, connect on, and I think he will. He's He he likes to keep in touch with the family, and, that, and that's very important to him because he's such a social person, and uh, uh, he's got such a great personality, and he's really cheerful to be around, and... Um, yeah we we really love him.
4: Susan how hard has it been just to be to to have this distance it's going to be great I have no doubt to see him today on on a FaceTime or on a video chat but these days leading up to this not being able able to see not being able to see him must have been heartbreaking.
3: Yeah it's it's it it has been and uh, it's really hard on him too as well because you know the phone calls are are hard to you know say goodbye to him too since i you know i used, used to always uh go there every day after uh after i'd done my morning things or my other two sisters as well so uh, i haven't seen him since uh i think march 12th except the one time i went and uh I started uh, I had dropped stuff off at there, his supplies, and I, I decided I'd phone him by my cell phone from the sidewalk and get him up to wave at the window, and he really liked that so, so he could see us. And you uh, just can't quite understand, how, you know, how long this is going to go on for, too, eh? So uh, just like everybody else. So, oh,
0: and so it would be
3: really good to step up and help these people. With
0: uh, that He's seen a lot of of things over the years, Susan, and uh, Chris, I want to kind of move into that that next part of the conversation before we let you run here, and that idea of of people in your facility getting their hands on this technology, obviously new to them in a lot of cases, but as Susan is saying, just so critical in order to to keep that, that sense of connection up.
8: Yeah, absolutely. When the foundation learned that uh, Ms. Accordia Health Centre needed to keep um, the residents and patients connected with their loved ones, um, we immediately thought of iPads, as many have. And so um, thanks to the generous support of Manitobans, we've already been able to purchase some iPads. And we had Nell, who's 104 years old, who just learned how to use an iPad. They're calling her Nell.20. It's adorable. She's <laughs> the most heartwarming woman I've ever met. So she's learned. And then we have David Johnson. Ah, uh, David Thompson. Pardon me, learning today uh, how to use the iPads, and it's having a huge impact. I mean, this is part of their healthcare plan—is ensuring that they're connecting with their loved ones. We need to do this for for their safety, but also for their mental health.
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Chris. Because how can how can you heal if you if like if, if getting to see your family or friends provides hope, and without hope, uh, how can one heal?
8: That's exactly right.
0: I think we've heard about Nell in the past, Uh, Chris. uh, Nell is 104, and I remember when she celebrated her 100th birthday, the Blue Bombers got into it big time. She's a big sports fan. She's getting a tablet today as well, is she not?
8: Yeah, well we actually we just taught her how to use the iPad and she's thrilled. So she's actually using it, she's connected um via FaceTime with her family and they're just super excited and she and again, like I say, it's been added into the healthcare plan. So multiple times a day, uh those that are able to use the iPad are are all being trained on how to use it so they can connect with their loved ones and it can be scheduled time. Um and this is great. This is good for the families too. Families need to be able to see their loved ones that are in healthcare facilities to know that they're safe.
1: Chris Gladwell is the executive director of the Misericordia Health Center Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us this morning.
8: Thank you so much. And if I may just add it, you know, I know it's a very difficult time, a trying time for everyone uh, in healthcare sector in the province and around the globe. And we're just so thankful for the, everybody that can support us. And right now we are fundraising for iPads for the COVID 19 Relief Fund at Mizacordia Health Center. Um, and you can make a donation today by calling 204 788 8458 or online at
1: com. All right. And Susan Dwilo as well joining us live on CJOB. Susan, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you very much. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, Kelly Moore is here, Jeff Braun is here, Jeff Forte, here's another text, Highway 75 to Emerson, ice drive, careful, bad roads, and that's what we want to talk about right now, maybe some of the misadventures we've gotten into in the past because of slippery conditions, whether it's on the road or on the sidewalk. Kelly, why don't we start with you, because uh, you grew up in BC, right?
9: That's right, yeah, Yeah, lots of mountains and lots of hills and and treacherous areas, but The memory, for me, the one that stands out the most when you put that uh, note out this morning, uh, it was back in uh, late 2013. As a matter of fact, December 30th, 2013, (laughs) I had made one payment. The reason I remember the date, I'd made one payment on my new car. Oh, no. And remember, we had the rutting problems that year. Yep. So I'm driving down through the St. Boniface Industrial Park to get home and I get into a rut and I just barely nudged into a tree. But it was enough up to do about $2,000 worth of damage on my car. Ugh. Oh, man. Yeah, that's the worst. Yeah. And, and, and I wasn't going too fast. I was only going about 20, 25 kilometers an hour, but it was just enough.
1: Mackling, you lived out west as well. Did you ever have to deal with slippery conditions driving through the mountains?
0: Oh, absolutely. In fact, my uh, my number one story about driving in slippery conditions involves driving from Winnipeg to Panorama for one day of skiing. My buddy Harry and I decided to leave work at about 11 o'clock on a Saturday night. We were going to drive through the night all the way to Panorama, ski one day on Monday and drive home. <laughs> Because we had uh, we had instructions from our girlfriends to be home for Wednesday for Valentine's Day. <laughs> very, very, very long story short, a trip that was supposed to cost us zero in accommodation, very little in uh, fuel, ended up costing us a hundred and forty dollars speeding ticket in Saskatchewan, two nights in a hotel. We never got to Panorama, and we ended up taking about three hours to go from Strathmore to Calgary in the heart of a snowstorm. It was nine degrees in Medicine Hat on the plus side. By the time we got to Calgary, it was minus 30, and we drove through that massive storm that came across the foothills. It was absolutely unbelievable, and the first thing we saw once the weather cleared was a pickup truck doing 360s, spinning across an overpass that was going across highway number one it was 1989 february that would have been the 11th so there you go 1989
1: wow that is incredible stuff what about you uh jeff braun Uh, you got any stories to tell from the mean streets of altona uh not so well we we used to get stuck in the snowbanks
7: in altona all the time and frankly on storm days my buddies and i would we'd do that thing sometimes where we'd, we'd go out we'd try to get stuck we'd help other people push their cars out and just, you know, when you're a teenager, that's something you can do. So any excuse to get out and do something was good enough. The worst one I ever had was actually on Highway 75. You mentioned that before. Should never have been on it in the first place. But uh, me and a, f- a friend and I were driving from Winnipeg to Altona. It should be a one-hour drive. It took us three hours. And at one point on 75, I, just, I was in my Ford Fairmont. I wanted to see how slippery it was. I tapped on the brake just tappa 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 <laughs> and just slid like a curling rock down the highway and i just took my foot off everything and came to a complete stop as we had also done a 180 and we're in the other lane and i finally very slowly cranked the wheel got his turn back in the right direction and in our lane and honest to god it was maybe half a second or one second after i got his resituated where we should be a semi went flying by us just wow and that thing was going well it probably wasn't going 100 but it was going at least 80 and that yeah we got that was right before morris and we pulled into morris and it just i was like okay we're gonna pull over for about half an hour while i sit here and try to calm
1: down. <laughs> no kidding god that is harrowing you painted us oh. a great picture there man McNabb, you got a story well,
4: well i was thinking when jeff's talking it's crazy how your heart races in those moments and i the, the thing that keeps me going slow in, in loft, most conditions, but particularly when you're not sure if it's icy. And because I'm at home and I don't know what the roads look like, guys, you, you could tell me better. But when you don't know there's ice, right? When you don't see that black ice, that's what terrifies me. And I remember coming down Highway 16 to Minidosa. I was probably in my early twenties driving a 1977 Cordova where the front, you know, is like nine feet long. So a really, really heavy car. And, just taking a slow turn and it was just suddenly pure black ice. And the car started to spin and it did its first 360. And all I remember my dad, it, his voice in my head was saying, Do not overreact. Do not pull back on the wheel, right? Don't crank it or hit the brakes. or, So I actually just took my hands off the wheel. Like I just, I remember pulling my hands back. And that's long before Carrie Underwood was singing Jesus Take the Wheel. But I was, <laughs> but I was, I, I pulled my hands back and it did another full 360 before. It straightened out and I came to a stop, and I probably sat there for at least 25 minutes waiting for my heart to calm down.
1: It's 7 37 on a Thursday, which means I was born in a small town.
9: <laughs> I was born in a small town.
1: <laughs> in an alien in a small town. I did. Again. I did, did the same thing last week. Jeff Fortier is
0: getting better, Brad.
1: Jeff Fortier's is on a heater. I thought, do I, should I sing? So that's why there was that kind of pregnant pause because I was deliberating whether or not I should infect the airwaves with the sound of my god-awful singing. But yeah, it's small town salute time and there have been dozens of examples of communities stepping up to show kindness and strength in the midst of this COVID pandemic.
0: Yeah, several towns like Lactabani might have heard about this. They put teddy bears in the windows of their houses so that if you're out for a drive or a walk, there's something for you or your family to have a little fun with, almost like a scavenger hunt, if you like. Nipawa had an entire weekend where they asked residents to turn their Christmas lights back on just to provide some cheer for, for everyone in the community across friendly Manitoba. We are seeing you, our friends, our families, our listeners, Stepping up, Loren.
4: Which, of course, brings us to our small-town salute this week. Uh, Morris, in our next segment, we're going to visit with a regular guest on our show, trucker David Henry. And yesterday on Twitter, he highlighted an example about how some towns are going above and beyond he tweeted out an image of a sign in morris that reads the morris stampede inn is offering a hot shower and a chance to get out of your trucks for an hour free while the local grocer is offering deliveries right to the trucks of many scott crick is the mayor of morris and joins us now good morning scott
2: good morning lauren how are you today
4: we're pretty good. Before we get to all the ways the folks in your towns are helping out in this pandemic, Highway 75 south of Winnipeg, of course, runs right through Morse, and we know we're seeing some wacky weather out there this morning. What are you seeing in terms of slippery conditions, or do you guys have snow yet, or, or what?
2: Uh, we're seeing a little bit of the transition from the, the ice rain to the snow. We certainly got some ice rain today, but uh, it sounds like the real excitement is going to be happening around noon today when the snow will be quite heavy.
1: So tell us what you've noticed uh, from residents during this pandemic.
2: Well, I, I think, and, and that was a great way to lead the story, just with the discussion of the more Stampede Inn offering the, uh, the showers and a, a chance for a break for truckers. Obviously as a community located on two uh, provincial trunk highways, we do have a, uh, not just trucking business in our town, but a lot of flow of truckers through this is a challenging time for them as well. And it was great to see uh our local businesses step up just on their own initiative and provide these services to the drivers.
0: It, you know, we we talk about this idea that uh, truckers are the lifeline to so many things. Scott, we we quote Manitoba Trucking Associ- uh, Association every once in a while. If you bought it, we brought it. Uh, Morris is right in the heart of that, and and of course we're on the verge of flood season here, and the ring dike around Morris obviously diverts that truck traffic around your community from uh, at different times for various amounts of time. Uh, trucking. It is sort of incidentally a big business in your community, isn't it?
2: Well, it, it certainly is. And, and not only do we have uh, a couple of trucking firms based in our community, but it's also the number of people that are employed in the industry and also the, the economic impact of just having that large volume of traffic come through our community. So, no, the, the trucking industry is very important. Uh, I mean, we've we've discussed with the province about preparing flood detours uh, in the event we do have to close 75 uh, we continue to have those discussions. The province has their plans. We have some recommendations, but that's uh, we're we're very cognizant of how important that is. Roughly 65% of everything that comes in the Manitoba comes on a truck up Highway 75.
4: Scott, you know, one of the things that people in the bigger city, I live in a small town too, south of Winnipeg. So I just want to say that because, you know, one of the challenges in a smaller community is you you might not have the click and collect options to grocery shop, or you might not have as many food delivery options or other things like that. And so I know businesses everywhere are trying to do what they can to adjust. What have you seen in your town in terms of the impact on businesses about them closing doors and, and whether they're trying to change the way they operate in in hopes of keeping up during this pandemic?
2: Well, there's there's a, in any small town, there's a mutually supportive relationship between the people that live there and the businesses that operate there. I mean, the people that own and operate these businesses, in most cases, are friends and family. They employ our friends and family. So there's a very tight connection with, with all of these businesses that we have in our community. I think one of the interesting things is that uh, like a lot of rural communities, our population does skew a little older. So our businesses that would be critical support ones during something like a pandemic, which uh, the, the initial thoughts are always your grocery store, your pharmacy, they already had delivery service in place for residents so that they would be able to have groceries or medication delivered at any time. What we're seeing now is we're seeing that model expand to other businesses in the community where, for example, restaurants, which typically don't do delivery in a small town, are now coming up with delivery options to to try and ensure that, A, they can still provide food to customers so they don't have to go out, but B, still give them some economic drive in in what is a very challenging economic time.
1: Just curious, did... We we were getting text messages uh, last week from people saying, hey, tell... People from Winnipeg to stay out of our town, they're coming into our towns and they're they're buying up all of our supplies when everybody was panic buying toilet paper. Did you see any of that? Anybody coming in from Winnipeg to clean out your stock?
2: well we I, I don't know about cleaning out stock because I'll say our local retailers are uh, you know understand the the service they're providing to the community, so they won't allow somebody to come in and buy out their entire entire stock of toilet paper. But yes, a few weeks ago we certainly had a few people. Uh, when they got word that uh, some uh, businesses in town still had toilet paper in stock, uh, they made the trip. And typically I'll say, uh, you know, in in a small town to have people come out and visit us, uh, but probably not the best time to, to be coming to visit a smaller community. We have much more limited resources. We don't have secondary or tertiary resources to fall back on. So if somebody was to come and potentially infect staff or owners of businesses, Uh, We lose that service in the community, and that's very vital that we still have these open through this time.
0: Scott, thanks so much for this, and uh, thanks to everyone in Morris for for extending the hospitality they are to the truckers and and others on 75 in this difficult time. There's trepidation, uh, I think, inside all of us, but also I think the good is outweighing the bad at this very difficult time.
2: You know, we're, we're seeing great, uh, you know, we're seeing great uptake by the community. The, the messages on social distancing, uh, are out there. We see people engaging in it properly. Uh, people are avoiding public gatherings. Uh, the community, although it's a very quiet right now, uh, the embrace of everybody and understanding that what you do today may affect your neighbor, may affect your parent, may affect your friend's parents is, is very clearly received. Again, especially in a small town. Um, and it's just so great to see everybody really embracing other community responsibility.
1: Scott Crick is the mayor of Morris, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Scott, thank you very much for the time. Much appreciated, sir. A-
2: appreciate the call today, gentlemen and, and, and madam. And anytime you'd like to call, by all means, uh, feel free to call.
1: All right, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. Madam, madam. madam, you like that?
4: I I can't say I hate it, guys. Do you want to just try to call me that for the rest of the show, Madam Lorraine and see, although it's making me think of a brothel. <laughs>
1: McNam is a madam.
4: I don't know if that's where I want to (laughs) go. The direction I want to take my life right now. But I like the politeness there. That was nice of Scott. I love small towns.
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on 680 CJOB. Lines are open at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a $50 gift card for Skip the Dishes. Call us now for your chance to win. But, Loren McNabb, we were getting pictures from listeners earlier this morning from outside St. Boniface Hospital.
4: Yeah, and those pictures showed long lineups of staff waiting to get in. We know yesterday Shared Health announced that they're going to add additional screening measures uh, for staff right across the healthcare system. And so as a result, If you are out today or driving by some of these facilities, you might see those lines. Global Morning News reporter Abigail Turner went out to check them out and joins us now. Good morning, Abigail. Tell us what you're seeing.
10: Well, I'm just on Taché Avenue this morning, uh, sitting outside of the St. Boniface Hospital. And when I pulled up here, the line stretched all the way down the sidewalk. Probably more than 20 people waiting to get inside of the building. Now, that's like you said, Loren, they're doing those extra screening measures uh, for those staff. And if you have been to the St. Saint Hon- Saint Boniface Hospital, you know that there are three doors on the main entrance to get in. But now only one of those are opened, and the other two are blocked off with yellow tape. So uh, one way in and one way out.
4: So, so we're Abigail- hearing from the workers. Oh, go ahead, Loren. Yeah, We're just hearing from the workers that it's at a number of facilities. So this is happening, I would say, system-wide, Abigail. And the screening would be for temperature, uh, travel history, that kind of thing, as we understand it.
10: Yeah, and I do want to point out that I've been here for probably a half an hour, and that line is now gone. So they've got a system down uh, when they are taking those temperatures and doing those screening measures. Because, again, the line has disappeared. I'm assuming uh, it was shift change when I got here, but uh, all the staff are in the hospital now.
1: All right, globals. Abigail Turner joining us live on six eighty CJOB. Abigail, thank you very much. It is time to give away a fifty dollars gift card for Skip the Dishes. Mackling, if you were to order off of Skip right now, do you have a not maybe not a restaurant, but like a uh, a genre of style of food that you would crave?
0: Well, I make pretty good pasta at home. So we had some shrimp uh, pasta the other night that I put together that um, even Jackie had some. She usually shies (laughs) away from from my cooking. No, she just doesn't uh, (laughs) usually eat anything with wheat in it. It it, uh, upsets her her tummy. So uh, it was so good she had some of that. But I'm missing, I would have to say, like a good... Greek meal, like uh, chicken Slavlaki with the pita bread and the and a Caesar salad. I, I go for the Caesar versus the Greek salad, a little bit of fries, just kind of a, the whole kit and caboodle. Now you've got me thinking.
1: All right. Well, the, the whole point was to get the people on the line thinking about what they want to get from Skip the Dishes. So here is the question at 204-780-6868. For the average person, over the course of your driving career, you'll use this... About thirty thousand times. What is it? Kevin. I'm gonna go
0: with your signals.
1: No, no, it's a good guess, but that's not it. I'm sorry, Kevin. Let's Especially
0: if you're in Winnipeg, <laughs> that, that doesn't apply. That'd be about five.
1: Orel. Hello there, Orel. Do you know what it is hey there? I'll say you're No, no, that's not it. Ooh. I'm afraid not. Uh, Cynthia. Hello there, Cynthia. What do you think?
3: Oh, I don't know. Um, check your rear view w- mirror.
1: No, no, that's not it. Yeah, what what could it be? 30,000 times you'll use this during the course of your driving career. Diane, do you know? Your cup holder? No. Good oh, good guess, though. So. Yeah, that's a great guess. Yeah, I use the cup holder every day. Adam, do you know? uh windshield washer sprayer thing? No. 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 Oh, I, that was I my guess. Okay, well, I guess I'll have to to give maybe a bit of a hint here as we move along. Um, how would I say? It's something that you use but it's not a part of your car. How's that?
4: Oh. Tar- I got it.
1: Oh. Tara, do you know?
3: Oh my god, it's definitely not a signal. Turner Singer, because nobody uses it
1: here. <laughs> yeah, that we had that guess already, so that's not it. I'm sorry.
3: I'm not guessing that. How about my trunk opener?
1: No. No, I'm afraid not, Tara. It's uh, not a part of your vehicle. How about that? Dave, do you know? Shoulder check. Your sh- oh, a shoulder check. Okay, so that's a part of your person, right? So, yes. uh, no, it's not it, but it is a part of your person. How's that? Linda, do you know?
3: Oh, boy. Blowing your nose?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, as someone with allergies, I can say I've probably blown my nose 30,000 times while I'm driving, but uh, that's not it. That's not it, but uh, you're kind of in the right direction, the right orientation, as it were. Ruth, do you know?
3: I'm going to say windshield washer fluid.
1: No, no, I'm afraid not. Good guess, though, especially on a day like today. I had to use my washer fluid as I was pulling into the parking lot because all that drizzle had stuck to my windshield. Kevin, do you know? What is your foot? No, no. That I wonder, you, hmm, I wonder you've got to think that would be more. Joan, do you know?
3: The hood release.
1: No, it's not a part of the vehicle, it is a part of you. And um, uh, maybe I'll point to a particular emotion one often feels when they're driving. How's that? I I, I, I want to give more hints, but I don't want to just outright give it away. I, I'm not sure if I can do give anything else. Do you, either of you guys have a guess?
4: I do, yeah. I
0: do, I do now.
1: Yeah? Okay. Well, let's see what Gary thinks. Hey, Gary.
6: Hey, uh, um, I'm Donald Blank.
2: I'm going to say uh, your good judgment.
1: hey it's a guess it's better than nothing and hopefully more drivers will use good judgment especially on a day like today but that's not it Gary I'm sorry buddy and do you know what it is your mirror no not part of the vehicle Heather do you know what it is your key no part of your part of you it's a part of you Jake do you know what it is
5: is it
6: your ice scraper
1: no, not part of the vehicle. It's a part of you. Or I guess that's not a part of, that's not part of the vehicle. That's a, an accessory to the vehicle. Sue, do you know? A
8: hand gesture?
1: No. Oh. Remember, the blowing nose was the, was the, another hint, too. That was in the right direction of the body, of where this particular, shall we say, device to express emotion would be used. Pat, do you know the answer? Here's
3: your sunglasses.
1: No, not sunglasses. I hate driving without my sunglasses, though, even when it's cloudy. Rita, do you know?
3: Um, the, the air gauge to pump up your tires.
1: No, that's not it. We're running out of time here, guys. Eva, do you know?
4: Um, Your um, your visor?
1: No. I'm going to have to give another hint here. It's something you would say. Aurel. The swear word. A swear word thirty thousand times you will oh drop a curse word while you're driving That's a week that that's a, that's it <laughs> so that's just. A, <laughs> yeah that's how it is for me the tapestry of obscenity that gets woven when i am at behind the wheel is uh downright disturbing Uh, i think a psychologist could write a thesis on what comes out of my mouth when i'm driving Aurel, congratulations to you sir i'm gonna put you on hold and jeff forte is gonna get your details do you know what kind of food you're gonna get Uh, no idea but probably involves burgers Right on, man. Tons of choices on Skip the Dishes. Lots of great places available. Support your local restaurants courtesy of Skip the Dishes. Congratulations, Zarell. Yes, for the average person over the course of your driving career, you, you'll you use this about 30,000 times. It's a curse word. Loren, I imagine you uh, would, would provide some entertainment on that front.
4: When I'm driving alone, yes, but the kids really change that. So you have to really get creative, like, holy Mary and burgers and fries. This is a, you know, you just start saying all sorts of things that make no sense. And they go, what are you talking about? And you're like, never mind, son of a horse's nest. I just say all sorts of things like that.
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us today on The Start. Over the past few days, our understanding and appreciation of frontline workers, indeed our definition of frontline
0: workers, Greg, has changed. I would say so. The list of people at higher risk of exposure now includes anyone who works at grocery stores, gas stations, drive throughs The pay for many of these jobs hovers around minimum wage. And in these positions, much like doctors, nurses, paramedics,
4: police, working from home
0: is not an option.
4: Arthur Schaefer is the founding director of the Centre for Professional and Applied Ethics at the University of Manitoba and joins us now for this discussion. Good morning, Arthur.
6: Nice to be with you.
4: So what do we need to be considering when we look at how to best support many of these people uh, in these difficult times when so many have to go to work? It's not a choice for them.
6: Well, let me offer as a as an opening comment that my hunch is that that life will never be the same again. That for all of us the uh pandemic, the uh social distancing, the uh closing of uh of public places, the isolation at home has um, has precipitated a rethinking about society and about our values and about our our community and about what's an essential service and and about how we're gonna uh, cope when millions of our fellow Canadians have lost their main or their only source of income and uh, and if we have a sense that we're all in it together if our if our common humanity comes to come to the front of our consciousness and in a way that it, it only does usually in times of flood and fire and famine and war and, and now pandemic, I wonder whether our view of what's, for example, what's an essential service? Here we have uh, 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 people who work in nursing homes and people who work in grocery stores and people who, uh, truckers who deliver our food, all of whom um, now we recognize, of course, doctors and nurses uh, have always been seen as essential services, firefighters and police officers, but I, I, I think our sense of what's important to us as individuals and as a community is uh, undergoing a shift.
1: Traffic note, by the way, at 204 from Bill, who says crash eastbound Nairn at the lights just before the overpass. Eastbound blocked completely. You recently wrote, Arthur, a column for the Globe and Mail on ethics in a time of pandemic. Right now we're seeing a lot of respect and support. Can that last for weeks and even months?
6: Uh, oh, well, that, that's really the... Uh the critically important question because it, it may have to last if we're to stay safe uh, we're going to have to hang together and I think there are some uh, essential conditions that will make it more likely that we'll hang together instead of seeing each other as potential enemies and threats and scrambling with each other to grab the last roll of toilet paper. I mean, that's the kind of... Uh, <laughs> A kind, a kind of symbol of of everything that could go wrong is people sweeping all the toilet paper off the shelves. Uh, and I think, in order for us to hang together, first of all, we're all going to have to see society as basically fair or just. So, if the people who are uh, um, who've lost all their income are expected to stay at home uh, i think we as a society are going to have massively to redistribute wealth so that nobody starves and everybody has access to essential food and clothing and shelter and and a related point many of us are highly vulnerable but the disabled the homeless people in nursing homes people who are elderly well if we can't protect the most vulnerable of us, then none of us is going to be protected. Because uh, if uh, if vulnerable uh, minorities become infected, it's going to spread. So in a sense, we really are all in it together. And I think our governments are going to have to be transparent and honest. And, and, and I think we're going to have to be engaged in a discussion of how How we're going to get through this as a community, because we're not very used to thinking of ourselves as a community, mostly it's me and my career and my mortgage. I think there has to be a big shift in our in our perspective.
0: Professor Schaefer, we've got to let you run here. I was going to ask you a question, but I know it would be a five-minute answer. So let me ask you this. Can you define for me heedless minority? I read that in your article, and I thought, I've never heard that terminology before. Help me with it.
1: And we only have 30 seconds, by the way, Professor.
0: Well, uh,
6: when uh, when, uh, people get on a plane knowing they're infected and are likely to uh, harm their fellow passengers, or when large groups of people uh, hold parties on the beach in uh, various resorts, uh, simply ignoring the risk of transmission, uh, they are the people to whom I was referring as the heedless minority. Where our public safety, each of our individual safety hinges on all of us uh, respecting the needs of the community, and if we And if we're going to do that, we've really got to ensure that social justice prevails.
1: Arthur Schaefer is the founding director of the Center for Professional and Applied Ethics at the University of Manitoba. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Always great to talk to you.
6: Nice talking with you. Bye-bye.
1: Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, question of the day at cjob.com. Should we establish a network of washrooms, showers, and food services for truck drivers. Yes or no? 93% 93% say yes, 7% say no. You can cast your vote at cjob.com. For Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992, visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. You can also cast your vote on Twitter at 680CJOB, as well as on Facebook. And if you don't follow us on Instagram, by the way, we would love for you to follow us there as well. I've got an email from Trevor. In response to the email that we read from Chris, Chris is spouse of a nurse. And Trevor says, Well said, Chris, my wife is a retired nurse who just picked up picked up two shifts this week and as I write, just got home this morning from nights. And while she sits across the living room from me, while we listen to the reading of the email, emotions are becoming prevalent on both sides of the room. I concur with Chris, but my wife isn't going in for the money. She raised her hand to go help her colleagues who may have young families who need their mother or father during this difficult time. She is a champion. I love my wife, and she is the love of my life, and I couldn't imagine life without her heaven forbid. God bless everyone. That's from Trevor. Trevor, thank Ooh. you so much for sharing that today. We, uh, we appreciate your feedback and uh, especially with it, when it comes to the, the healthcare workers, we got a lot of feedback in relation to Chris's email. Mm-hmm. So as we mentioned, just keep your eye on cjob.com, globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg for a look bit. Incredible,
4: out. Brett, because she put up her hand right that that notion of someone out there and we heard yesterday the call went out from the health minister for retired nurses to to help out here clearly she she put her hand up before that call went out and decided she needed to do it in order to help her fellow colleagues so i can't say enough that's an amazing tribute to her and uh yeah well done well done uh to chris and his family and to trevor and his wife and all the others who are going in when we pull back
1: We have been acknowledging the efforts of business in our city, who are shifting their business model to survive in these unusual times. We have been discussing the community service of everyday citizens as they help their neighbours. And, of course, doing our best to celebrate the superheroes keeping it all running on the front lines. And a British Columbia company, Greg, looks to be doing all three.
0: Here's the announcement as it's written, Brett Loren. Mustang Survival, the Canadian brand known for innovative solutions for the most demanding marine environments, has been saving the lives of water professionals for over 50 years. And now they're turning their attention to saving lives on land. As a design, engineering, and manufacturer of life vests, survival suits, and dry suits for both military, public safety professionals, and marine recreational users, in light of the global pandemic, Mustang Survival is shifting their focus inland to PPE gowns for frontline healthcare workers. And as of 11 a.m. yesterday, April 1st, the Mustang Survival Factory in Burnaby, B.C. officially went into production of the first 500 isolation gowns, a Level 3 certified PPE, fully
4: waterproof gown designed and engineered to bring new levels of safety to frontline health care workers. Josh Horoshock is from Mustang Survival and joins us this morning from BC. Thanks for doing this, Josh. How's it going?
5: Hey, it's going really good. How are you guys?
4: We're good. And we're so, it's so thrilling in, in, in an, an odd way, I suppose, to see how businesses are stepping up to answer the call for everything from hand sanitizer to masks to P- other PPE that's necessary. Uh, we always have to ask, why, why are you doing this? well I think when
5: the when the pandemic first hit the the main focus for us as a business obviously was our our own employees um, and so you know we took the the steps to sort of mandate that all office workers work from home um, and then you know we had to take extra precaution um, with our factory and you know we were deemed an essential service essential business uh, to remain open in our factory um, because we do have so many contracts with Coast Guard and public safety professionals, fire halls, that that type of stuff. So we make a lot of uh, life saving equipment as it is. Um, so we were deemed essential and and stayed open. Um, and obviously, we had to really figure out how to care for our employees. Once we figured that out, um, it, it really just became an obvious thing to think about, well, how can we actually help? We have a, a local manufacturing facility in Burnaby, um, and the factory workers were all really, really keen to, to help out and, and help deliver PPE. So it was, it became a really natural step for us to just want to do good and want to help.
0: I think one of the things uh, folks are lamenting right now, Josh, is that idea that so much of our manufacturing is offshore, that it's not here in Canada or in the United States. And so that ability to to shift what you're doing or to congruently uh, provide the service that you normally do, which is obviously extremely important, and then to allow your manufacturing facilities to do what you're doing uh, for others. Are you hearing of other folks in the lower mainland or across the country that are, are able to shift here? And uh, maybe at the same time, you could answer the, the question or or talk about the idea of, of maybe this turning our attention to why it's important that, that we have manufacturing and, and these types of facilities in our own country.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, we were fortunate to be part of an association, which is called the BC Apparel and Gear Association, um, which is essentially a group of of companies in the Lower Mainland that got together a year ago to tackle sort of local manufacturing issues, um, supply chain issues, those types of things. We never thought, you know, in a million years that we'd all be working together on on PPE for the for healthcare workers. Um, but that association was formed a year ago. And so we've actually all collaborated and, you know, some of us are competitors even, but we've, we've put all of those differences aside to really come together and share designs and prototyping and supply chain, um, you know, sources. And so, you know, the lower mainland's really rallied together um, as a group of companies to bring that forward. And so we're, we're even, you know, with our designs at, at Mustang survival and, we're, we're using other factories, um, sources. Um, we want to have this be an open source project. So, um, on the BC apparel and gear association website, where we're posting the designs for anyone in the world to download, um, you know, the tech specs, um, the material specs, and they're able to download it. And hopefully, uh, any manufacturer around the world can, can produce for, for their local health authorities. Um, and and yeah, on the manufacturing front in in BC, it, it is important. Um, you know, just having local supply chains and local sources to material and and local manufacturing, all of those things help keep you know the community um, of companies in the textile industry going. And and we've seen you know obviously the the skilled labor is 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 limited in BC and it's limited in Canada. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why companies are forced to go offshore. Um, but, you know, the industry is, is super, super strong. And, you know, just this this rallying point for the companies, um, you know, to be able to come together and, and share ideas around PPE. Hopefully that continues and we can share ideas on many other issues moving forward.
1: So are there other manufacturers then uh, that are making, that you know of, that are making this kind of a shift?
5: There there are other manufacturers that are making, that have helped with um, design, that have helped with sourcing. Um, We don't have any word on other manufacturers that are in the lower mainland. I don't know of any offhand that are fully converting and and ramping up their, their manufacturing facilities, but there is talk about it. Um, some some are closed for very good reasons, obviously health reasons. Um, we were fortunate enough to be deemed a, an essential service, essential business, so so we're we're the ones uh, it seems like that are best uh, capable to keep going and, and pivot the entire manufacturing over to PPE. Um, so we're we're one of the lucky ones, and and hopefully other factories are able to come online now that now that they can produce PPE.
4: Once that product's ready or if it is currently about to be ready where's it going to go first do you have already uh, uh, sales or customers stepping up or governments asking for it
5: Yeah a couple of the local health authorities in BC are, are demanding it so we'll we'll probably um keep it in British Columbia for now um we're going to be able to produce around 5000 gallons a week um, and so, as we as we get that out into the local market, we'll look to expand beyond that into the rest of Canada. There's been um, other local health authorities from other provinces that uh, that have reached out and inquired. So we'll we'll probably be able to get um, as much as possible into the into the Lower Mainland and then expand to the rest of Canada.
0: Josh, before we let you run here, we gotta let you pump the tires of, of your hometown and uh, give us a, uh, an idea of, about your connection to Winnipeg, and uh, and uh, let you celebrate that before we let you run.
5: No, absolutely. Um, I grew up in Winnipeg. Um, lived there till I was 27. I grew up in North Kildonan, and um, really fortunate enough to land uh, with Mustang Survival because my my memories of growing up are, you know, canoe trips you know on lakes and rivers um, you know family cottages at uh, on Lake Winnipeg and West Hawk and Lake of the Woods and and so yeah I feel I feel really fortunate and really proud as a as a Winnipegger to be working with Mustang Survival in the marine industry and and right now doing really good things to to help out with this pandemic
1: Josh Horshock from Mustang Survival joining us live from BC this morning Josh thank you for this
5: Thank you thank you